Our lesson today in our Word, the Word of God, comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 105. So let's turn right in the middle of the Bible to Psalm 105. This psalm, even though it does not say it's a psalm of David, we believe it is a psalm of David because he, it's also found in another book of the Bible where David actually says, says these words in celebration of uh, the Lord. So Psalm 105, and we will begin reading in verse number one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face, Evermore, remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. And may the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. Right in the middle of the Bible is a book known as the Psalms. Uh, a psalm is not easy to define because we know what a song is, we know what a poem is, but a psalm is sort of in the middle of a poem and a psalm because psalms are often sung, but uh, they tend to have their own identity. Not only are hymns uh, hymns, but psalms can be like a hymn, but they have a divine element to them. Uh, God inspired the psalms. There's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. There are other psalms in the Bible that you can find, but in this case, we are reading just part of Psalm 105. If you go on and read the rest of Psalm 105, you'll see that it gives a whole history lesson of how God worked through to help the people of Israel, keeping his promises from Abraham and doing all these great and mighty deeds to, uh, for the people of Israel. And David acknowledges this and he gives glory to the Lord. But when I read the first five of these uh, verses, or I, I noticed that there's a pattern here and something that we all should do because just because we don't live in the land of Israel and we're not necessarily citizens of ancient Israel, we still have the same God. We still have the same promises given to us. We're inheritors of a tradition that God has given. And so the God of the Old Testament is, is our God as well. And this God is worth celebrating, especially when we think about Christmas, uh, we think about Jesus's birth. And I think this, these verses fit perfectly with the season that we are now uh, going through. So Psalm 105's very first verse, oh, give thanks to the Lord. It seems to always be a priority, doesn't it? To give thanks to the Lord. I talked to uh, my father-in-law Floyd yesterday and he told a story about the old days in Memphis, Tennessee. Some of you know about Memphis, Tennessee. I don't know as much about it as some of you and certainly don't know anything close to what my father-in-law knows about it, but he, uh, he told a story about uh, what happened in the streets of Memphis. There was an old juke joint or, or some sort of place called the Green Beetle. I don't know what that place was, but it was some place, and I think people tend to, do you know what that place is? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the police were out one night and they noticed this man 
and he was walking. But he was walking very strangely because you see, he had one foot on the, uh, the road and one foot on the curb. So he's walking like this, all the way down that, that street near the Green Beetle. So police stopped him and said, sir, have you been drinking? The man says, why do you ask? He says, well, you've got one foot on the road and one foot on the curb. The man said, thank goodness, I thought I'd lost a leg. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you to decide whether you think he was drinking. But he was thankful. And, and we need to give thanks to the Lord. When we give thanks to the Lord, we acknowledge him, and it's something that God wants us to do constantly. I hope that in every sermon I preach, I always mention how important it is to be grateful to God, to give thanks to God, and it is a command. So it's not like he says, you have an option. <laughs> you don't have to give thanks. No, it is an act of worship. It's, a, it's, it's so good to give thanks to the Lord. Take time. And I think the reason why people don't give thanks is that people are very jealous over their time. Uh, they want to hold on to it, you know. Oh, it's kind of like little kids. Uh, they don't want to go to bed at night. You know, they want to stay up all night. And then they wonder why it's hard to get up to go to school because they're, they're selfish. They, they want to hold on to every ounce uh, of that day they can hold on to. And, and they don't, they, they're just very jealously guarding that time. Time's precious to people. And I think the reason why people don't give thanks to God is that they'd rather be doing something else. But really, that's the old sinful nature in all of us that says, oh, what I'm doing is more important than giving God thanks. But it isn't. Because when we take time to pause and give thanks, we're recognizing the Lord. Vicki and I have a, a, a new addition to our home called a giant monster dog. Her, her name is Zoe. She was born June 2nd. When we got her, she was about, what, eight pounds, seven pounds? She's 50 pounds now, 50 pounds. Uh, so I'm trying, but I'm a day late and a dollar short on getting her trained because what happens is she sees the wind blowing a leaf. She wants to go after that leaf. She doesn't want to wait on me. She doesn't want to hold. She just wants to go. Well, you can, if you know anything about physics and math, you know that a 50-pound animal charging at full speed all of a sudden, that's a lot of force and pounds that my poor arms are undergoing. So I'm trying to train her to take time just to pause. But I thought, you know, how many times am I like my dog with the Lord? You know, I should hold off, you know. God wants to just be relaxed with me, but I've got to go, you know, and he's got to pull me back, you know, pull you back and put you through the misery of being jerked back. Uh, I think that it's, it's a hard lesson for animals, but I think it's a hard lesson for humans to take time. Don't pull on that leash. In fact, God doesn't even want you to have a leash. He'd rather have you just right there, but but just take time, wait on the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. It's worth the time to give thanks to the Lord. 
After all, it's not like he didn't give us everything and all things and the entire world was made by him. I think we all, all of us owe him thanks. Everybody, not just Christians. All people owe him thanks for living. And God has given everyone opportunities. I, I believe that Christmas is a time for us to think about giving thanks, but there's more to it. He says, call upon his name. It's very important when we give thanks to also take to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I need you for whatever. Uh, it's amazing to me that when you read the Bible, especially the book of Judges, the people there, they didn't take time to give thanks to God. They, they went into sin. They did all these bad things. They get in trouble. The enemies take them over. And, and only then, but they do, they call upon the name of the Lord. Sometimes uh, they, they, they have to have the worst before they go to the first one of heaven. And they go and they call upon the name of the Lord. But the good thing about calling upon the name of the Lord is that God hears. So we ought to call on God for help. Let's not try to solve all of our problems ourselves. Let's call on the name of the Lord. Lord, need your help. I need you now. Uh, it's not just that you're asking for something, but you're also acknowledging him in a way where you say, Lord, I know you are the one who supplies my needs. You're the one who protects me. You're the one who does all things. So I want to acknowledge you as my Lord, and I'm asking you for help. And I think God wants us to ask him. Don't ask Santa Claus for help, but ask Jesus for help. And our God in heaven, call upon his name. Make known the third thing it says in this verse, his, his deeds among the peoples. There is a, a very important thing in that good part of Christmas, because there's negative things about Christmas, as you know. But the good part about Christmas is Everywhere where the story is read from the Bible, whether it's in a church where they sing Handel's Messiah or, or, they, or they read the Bible, just read the Luke story or the Matthew story, doesn't matter. You're, you have to admit that there's a lot of wonderful deeds that God has done in the Christmas story. <laughs> a virgin to be born, angels appearing to men and to Mary, uh, the, the dreams that God gave and the, the star that led the wise men. All these things are wonderful things that God has done. And so we are to make known his deeds among the peoples. So even, uh, it's amazing to me that in the midst of all the secular Christmas songs that you find, occasionally you'll hear a tune uh, oh, come all ye faithful, or you'll hear, oh, holy night, or you'll hear these tunes that actually recognize the Jesus Christ of Christmas. <laughs> that makes me joyful to know that even in the midst of all these things, Jesus is still there and his deeds ought to be made known. This is why I'm glad that uh, when Peanuts, the cartoon was on 50 years ago, uh, Charles Schultz wanted the true story of Christmas to be known, and he had one of his characters read the story of Jesus being born from the Bible. Uh, I, I would like Disney and other cartoon places to, to honor our Lord, but unfortunately, 
a lot of them have taken a wrong path and have gone the way of, uh, well, you know the way they've gone. And yet God says to us, make known his deeds among the peoples. We are to be witnesses to him and for him to the world. In verse number two, sing to him, sing psalms to him. So there is a, a, a very musical thing about Christmas. We sing and we listen to songs and play the loops. And I, 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 if you stay on one channel, like if you're listening to one radio station, you'll, you can almost count Every hour, you're going to get a certain song, you know, and then you're going to get another song that you gets repeated over and over and over. Some of these songs uh, are just general Christmas songs, and and why do they these uh, stars and these good singers why do they make Christmas albums? Ultimately, a lot of them make it because it's smart business. Uh, There's still a, a market for people to do Christmas songs. However. God doesn't just want us to sing to make money, but he really wants us to sing to him. Not for an audience, not to be recognized, but to him. And if we sing to him and the Psalms, which which many of our songs have Psalms in them, uh, I think God will reward us in worship. So we ought to be singing to him. It doesn't matter whether or not we can, can hold a tune in a bucket. As long as we sing to him, it sounds like sweet music. I've, I've, I've wondered about heaven a lot, and I've wondered if, if God uh, has a special room where there's good music played. Not that there's any bad music in heaven. But, but think about this. You have here in heaven somebody who goes to heaven, and they, they go to a place, and they, they listen to some of the great recordings that God had of, of worshipful songs throughout history. And you listen, you think that's the most beautiful music in heaven, you hear this. And they say, well, don't you know that while you sang on earth, you didn't think you could sing at all. But remember, you sang to me, to the Lord, and you your song as we heard it was the most beautiful music of all. See, heaven's a different place. And in God's eyes, you don't know that you're not being recorded. Your song, though it may be frail, though it may not make all the notes completely, you may not reach all the notes. If you sing it to the, from your heart to the Lord, there may be a recording of that in heaven. And you'll say, I can't believe it. I sound better than these people who made all this money here on earth. And it's a glory because everybody, think about it. How many of you, that how many of you right now would say, I really am not a very good singer? Raise your hand. Now, but how many of you would like to have that gift? Most of people want the gift of singing, exactly. So most people want that gift and they don't want to be shy about it. So maybe God has a special place for you if you sing to the Lord. Even if on earth you, you don't seem to, to, to be as good as you would think. So God has a place. Sing to the Lord, obey the Lord and sing psalms to him. Another thing the Bible says here is in verse two, talk of all his wondrous works. We, we sang about the wonders of his love and we should talk about the wondrous works of the Lord. What did God do throughout history? Keep talking about it. Don't stop talking about how God 
did great things. When we see disasters happening in our own day, all we need to do is say, well, God saved the people out of this disaster in the Bible. It happens repeatedly. God does wondrous things. And, and our witness to the Lord, or for the Lord, is to people. And how do they hear the stories of God's works if someone doesn't say them, tell them? It, they don't magically get them in their head. We have to, we were told the stories of the Red Sea parting. We were told the stories of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. We were told the stories of Jesus healing the various people who were sick and raising the dead. We were told these stories, and if no one tells you or you don't read it yourself, how are you going to know? So someone needs to tell, and it's a command. We sing, we give thanks, we call upon the name of the Lord, and we tell the wondrous things that God has done. And verse number three, David says, glory in his holy name. Now, glory is, is, is a thing associated with God. It's part of the Christmas story, isn't it? Glory to God in the highest. It's something that we ought to glory constantly. I, I think that it's even more powerful if we glory in God when things are going badly, when things are not going well, all the better to glory in the Lord because there's nothing going wrong with him. God is perfect. He is magnificent. He is great. He is beautiful. He is all-powerful. He has all the wealth of the universe and beyond. There's nothing he can't do that he sets his mind on doing. So glory in his holy name. Glorify him, honor him, and brag on him. If we glory in ourselves, We'll trip ourselves up because pride comes before a fall. But if we'll glory in the Lord, we'll never be tripped up in that statement because God will still be number one and he never gets dethroned. He never takes a step down. He's always number one. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Uh, Jesus said something very important. He said, seek and you shall find. It's a very powerful statement. And you wonder, well, what do you seek? Well, if you're not seeking the Lord, you're missing out because God says to seek the Lord, that you get your heart is rejoicing when you seek the Lord. And we ought to seek the Lord. In fact, he, he adds to that in verse four, seek the Lord and his strength, strength, seek his face evermore. So we are to seek God's face, his strength, how many of you feel weak? And especially if you live long enough on earth, you don't feel as well as you did when you were younger. And God wants us to have his strength. So seek after it. Ask God for it. Seek him in his presence. You need somebody to, to bear your burdens with you, cast your cares upon. It is the Lord you should seek. Because if you seek the Lord and his strength and his face, uh, there's nothing more beautiful than the face of God. And you seek his face to know that God is, is looking at you, that he's giving you attention, that he cares for us. Man, that God loves us. Seek him. And, and the good thing is Jesus said, seek and you shall find. It's, it's, it's a promise. And I think nothing better to seek than the Lord, 
his strength and his face so that we would have his blessing and his strength so that we can have his ability to overcome when times are tough. And, and then in verse five, David says, remember his marvelous works. Uh, it's easy to forget things. Forgetting is why that pilots are required to do what? They, they have to follow a what? What do pilots have to go through? A checklist, absolutely. Why? Because human beings forget. The best human beings forget. Ordinary people forget. So we're not supposed to forget some things. And so the only way we'll do that is make a checklist in some cases. Remember, he says, remember his marvelous works, which he has done. You know, we talk about them, but don't forget them. Don't forget them. When times are bad, remember them. Remember what God has done. He's done many things. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. We often have people who make lots of money telling us their opinion on TV. For decades, we've had people shouting at each other on politics and I've never liked those shows where they're shouting at each other because they don't care. They don't care what the other person's saying. They just want to shout out the other person. So I don't think that's healthy. But I do think it's a very important thing that in God's position, we need to know the judgments of his mouth. See, God's not going to shout at people. We have to be still and, and listen to the Lord and take time because he's not going to force his way against you. We have to take time. There's too much hollering. And this is one of the reasons why for, in my life, I just don't think that uh, verbal protest and, and throwing things and breaking things, that's, that may be how you get the politicians intimidated. That's not how you get justice. Justice is not found that way. Justice is only found when people react in a fair and just way and don't have to be shouted at and don't have to be pulled back on that leash the way I have to pull my dog. No, God wants us to not be forced, but rather he wants us to listen. In fact, look what he says. He says, remember his works, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. In all of the popular opinions today, what does God think about things? Do you have anybody asking that question? Does anybody care in, in Washington, D.C. or Nashville or any other capital or in Europe? Do they care what God says? What is God's opinion about these things? What would God do over these things? Many people think they're right and they'll tell you they're right. They will tell you that their lives matter, but will they really think about God's words because his words, they matter. They really matter. And we're supposed to remember his words, his judgments. Remember what his judgments are. He says some things are right, some things are wrong. We need to be listening to him. He's made his declarations in the past. Well, the great thing is Christmas 
is a time for us to celebrate all these things that, that David talks about. Many great, marvelous things that God did. He gave the little baby Jesus, but you know what? Jesus the baby was supposed to become Jesus the man, and he did. And Jesus the man did all these wonderful things, healed people, comforted people, encouraged people, rebuked people, but also saved people. But the greatest thing he ever did was that he went to a cruel death, not because he deserved it, but because he knew that this was the only way that all of us could be saved. He didn't really want to do it because it was a terrible event and ordeal for him. Uh, he tried to avoid it. He said, God, if there's any way I can get out of it, Father, let this cup pass from me, but there was no other way if we were going to be saved. He had us on his heart and that outweighed his own personal desire to be free from this suffering that he was gonna go through. Well, he went through it. And if you talk about the greatest wonderful work of all, it was the fact that Jesus went to the cross for undeserving people, many multitudes of people who don't care about him, that would, would not give him the time of day, who would rather do anything but stop and give thanks. He died for them. How many of us would do that for people who disregard us? He did that. The bravest act ever done was that act. And, and perhaps even more than the physical pain, he knew that he was gonna suffer the abandonment of his personal fellowship with his heavenly father. He would actually cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is the only God forsaken person who ever lived. He was God forsaken, but he did it for us. He's the bravest man that we can ever recognize. No warrior has ever been more powerful or brave than Jesus Christ. And that's why he's our king, because death couldn't keep him. He was so deserving of life that even when he died, his life had to be returned. And now we have hope through him. And so Christmas is a part of a giant story, a story that God has provided for us of marvelous deeds that you and I are to remember and tell and keep repeating over and over again as long as we have breath. We ought to sing about him, and, and Christmas is part of that because we can sing about the birth of Jesus and all the wonders of his love. And I think God wants us this year to keep doing that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the mercy you've extended to us. And now I pray that you would bless this uh, time of decision and we ask for your grace to help us all to follow you as faithful servants of Jesus Christ. We call upon your name and we give thanks to you, Lord, and we want to make known to the people what you have done for us. And we pray your help in Jesus' name and amen.